All right. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm disappointed not to be with you in person, but also really delighted to have this opportunity to start the day in God's Word with you. Uh, the theme this week is Enduring in Christ, and we're looking at that from 2 Timothy. But before we go to the Scriptures, let's just begin our day in prayer. Shall we pray together? Lord God, we thank you for our night's rest, and we thank you for this new day. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that you sustain us so kindly. We thank you that you watch over us. You know what is best, and you guide all things by your powerful hand. And so we pray that you would guide us today, guide us to do your will to know and discern what is right and best and pleasing in your sight. Help us to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Enable us not to look at our own interests, but at the interests of others. And help us to be people of faith, hope and love. We do pray for those who are leading and organising Synod this week. It's a massive task. We pray that you would continue to endow them with strength and energy, godliness and endurance, knowing that their labour in the Lord is not in vain. And we do thank you for your word. And we pray that as we open your word now, you would speak to us. Nourish our faith Strengthen our love of Christ and of the gospel. And so we pray for this in his name. Amen. Well, this morning as we turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1 again, uh, the topic is enduring in the gospel. And I want to read with you from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 11 to 14. Uh, leading up to this, Paul has been speaking about the gospel. And then he says in verse 11, And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Well, I wonder how often you have wanted to give up in ministry or give up eldership or give up your leadership role in a ministry area. I know over the years there have been a number of times when I've just wanted to give up or sign out. There are times when we're just really weary. We're over it. We're suffering from what I call over at itis. There are times when the workload just seems too great, when the pressure is too much. 
times when we want to sign out and do something easier. There might be times when criticism is just bearing down on us and eating away at our soul and we can't turn it off at night. If you feel like that sometimes, you're normal. (laughs) That is the normal Christian experience and the normal experience in gospel ministry. And that's exactly why Paul is writing this letter to Timothy. He writes to spur him on because Timothy is working in a very difficult church. Maybe actually more difficult than yours. There are false teachers. There are defectors. There are outspoken opponents. And so Paul is urging Timothy on. And in verses 6 and 7, he urged him to fan into flame the gift of God within him. He reminded him of the inner work of the Holy Spirit who doesn't lead us to give in to cowardice. It's the spirit of love and self-control and sound-mindedness. Then in verse 8, he's urged Timothy to be willing to suffer for the sake of the gospel if that's what it takes. And now in verses 11 to 14, Paul adds two more things. He adds his own personal testimony and he adds a charge, an exhortation. And both those things turn out to be about guarding. The first is about what God guards and the second is about what we guard. And I think what Paul says here about guarding is actually a wonderful encouragement to us to press on to endure in the gospel. So let's start with what God guards. Uh, Paul says there in verse 11, I was appointed as a herald, a preacher, which is what actually many of us are. And then he says, and as an apostle, which is what we are not. It was a unique role given to Paul and to those first apostles. And then he says, and a teacher, which again is what many of us are. And immediately he says, and that is why I'm suffering as I am. He says, I'm a preacher. That's why I'm suffering, which is perhaps a clear indication that he was working in a reformed church. He sees faithful gospel ministry and suffering as inseparable twins. And he's in prison for the gospel. Normally, if you're put in prison, you're ashamed of what you've done. But he's not ashamed of it. And he states why. He says, this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed And I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. Now, Paul certainly knew what he believed. In fact, the heart of what he believed is encompassed in 13 letters that made the cut for the New Testament. But the gospel is personal. And he doesn't just say, I know what I believe. He says, I know whom I have believed. He knew not only the truth of the gospel, but the character of God. And he was convinced, knowing God, that God was able. 
Uh, able to do what? Well, literally, uh, verse 12 says, he's able to guard my deposit. Now, that could mean one of two things. It could be guard the deposit that God has, uh, that Paul has given to God, as the NIV puts it. Or it could be that God's able to guard what God has given to Paul, as the ESV puts it. Either God can guard Paul's life, that Paul's entrusted to the Lord, or God can guard the gospel that he's entrusted to Paul. Now, both, of course, are true, but I think in the context, the second option is better. God is able to guard the gospel that he's entrusted to us and that Paul is now entrusting to Timothy. And he guards it until that day, the day when Jesus comes again. My six-year-old granddaughter came around home recently and she was pretty keen to have a go at my 120-year-old violin that I used to play in a former life. So I entrusted it to her sort of. I let her hold it and scrape some horrendous sounds uh, on the strings, but as she held it, I held it too. As she held the bow and scraped across the strings, I held her hand and helped her scratch those sounds. As she moved from string to string, I was holding her hand and moving it with her. And she was proud as punch of playing the violin. God has entrusted to us the best news in the world. He's put it in our hands, so to speak, to preach it and teach it and pass it on. But as we scrape away... God guards what he has entrusted to us. It's in our hands, but God hasn't let go for a moment. Isn't that wonderful? If, if it all depended on me, I'd be forever fearful in gospel ministry. I might say the wrong thing and put people off and they'll never come back to the Lord. I might do gospel work in the wrong place or at the wrong time or in the wrong way. I might accept the wrong call. Bother, I should have gone to the other church that called me. I might preach really badly. Actually, I might preach really badly again. <laughs> and, and people are put off and they'll never come back to church. If I've got to get it 100% right for the gospel to advance, then I'll be too scared to act. Now, we, we all know that it's hugely discouraging when gospel ministers and church ministries fall over, when they come unstuck because someone has fallen from grace, someone has fallen into error. People can make an awful mess of things, as we know, we know so painfully. And in fact, any of us, are capable of making an awful mess of things in gospel ministry. So what a mercy 
that the future of the gospel does not ultimately depend on people. People may stumble. Churches might die. Ministries may collapse. And one day, every single one of us will reach our use-by date in ministry. But the gospel will always continue. It has already for 2,000 years. It's doing wonderfully well because God has this whole thing in hand. God guards the gospel. He'll ensure that every single one of his chosen ones is saved. He'll make sure that the gospel goes to the ends of the earth. He'll build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And with it all firmly in his hand, he says, now you keep playing some notes. Go on, preach, preach again, keep preaching, and I'll work through you. Serve, keep serving, and I'll make sure that it's ultimately good for the gospel. Oppose false teaching, and through that, God says, I'll protect the gospel. Stand up and say what's right. And I'll enable you, he says, by my spirit. So never forget that, friends. God's got this whole thing covered. Even when you can't cope, God will still protect and advance the gospel. He's entrusted the gospel to us. He's entrusted to us the work of ministry. But it's in his hand and he'll guard it. So that is the basis for what Paul says next. In addition to his personal testimony, he now has a charge for Timothy. So we turn from what God guards to what we guard. What do we guard? Well, it turns out we guard the very thing that God guards. It's exactly the same. Look at verses 13 and 14. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Now, Paul has two parallel phrases here. Keep the pattern of sound teaching. Guard the good deposit. That the pattern of sound teaching is the gospel as it was taught by Paul and passed on to Timothy. Uh, by pattern here, he really means the, the model. Keep, keep the model. Keep the template, the prototype that has been given to you. We could say the recipe. Stick to the recipe, Timothy. You know how some people are just fantastic in the kitchen, they're all creative, and they sort of make it up on the fly. I'm not like that. When I'm in the kitchen, I have to stick to the recipe. Sometimes I have to get, get my wife to help me understand what the recipe means and how to do it. And Paul's saying, Timothy, don't 
Don't be creative in the gospel kitchen. Stick to the recipe. Why? Because the recipe that's been passed down is the pattern of sound words. And sound is a favorite word of Paul. It literally means healthy. The pattern of healthy words, healthy teaching, healthy preaching, healthy doctrine. If we want sound churches, we need sound teaching. If we want healthy churches, we need healthy ministry. Uh, This healthy gospel truth is the good deposit that we're to guard. God guards it, as we've seen, and so do we. And we guard it with his enabling, verse 14, with the help of his spirit. But you know, the fact that God guards it doesn't let us off the hook. We have enormous responsibility to be good guardians of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Later in 2 Timothy, there will be examples of those who have not guarded it well. They've swerved from the truth. And it says that in doing that, they've shipwrecked the faith of some people. You see, the gospel will always thrive. But you can do a lot of damage along the way. A gun is powerful. But used incorrectly, it's a lethal weapon. I've come over the years to love power tools. But one slip and your finger is gone. We need to take this charge with the utmost seriousness. The foundation of all good ministry is gospel faithfulness. We're not called to be novel. Don't be obsessed with being creative and innovative in the gospel kitchen. Cook up the same old truths again and again. Now cook them up. I mean, garnish them and make it, make it palatable and tasty and desirable. But, but just cook up the same old gospel truths again and again. There's a reason we subscribe to confessions of faith. They summarize the old, old gospel. There's a reason we take ordination vows. We pledge solemnly before God to uphold truth and oppose error. Actually, there's a reason we sign a form of subscription. We promise to submit ourselves to the church's discipline if we should deviate from the old gospel. I say there's a reason for all these things. What's the reason? The reason is we will do no good ministry at all if we do not hold faithfully to the gospel. You cannot be fruitful if you're not faithful. You can't honour God if you dishonour his word. You can't build people up if you're not building them up in the truth of God's word.
This charge is serious. Guard the gospel with your life. But actually, it's not hard to guard something you love, is it? <laughs> you guard your newborn baby with your life. You guard your reputation seriously and fiercely. Look, you, you even guard the paintwork on your car. I hate it if someone scratches my car. We guard the gospel because there's nothing else like it. It's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. I engage in many different churches in Melbourne, not just Reformed churches, but Anglicans and Presbyterians and Baptists and independent churches, churches of Christ. And I can tell you which churches are healthy in Melbourne. They're the ones that have strong gospel ministry. They're preaching the gospel. They're standing up for the gospel. They're training people in the gospel. They're sending out gospel workers and gospel missionaries. They love the gospel and they guard the gospel. That's what matters most in ministry. And that's actually very encouraging because it tells us what doesn't matter so much. What matters is not your personality. What matters is not how brilliant your church building is. What matters not so much is whether you have a dream music team. What matters is the gospel. So there it is. Uh, what God guards, the gospel, and what we guard, the gospel. Oh, friends, endure in that. And as a result, people will be saved. Churches will be built up. We will not be ashamed. And God will be praised. Let's bow in prayer. We thank you so much, Lord God, for entrusting us with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And we praise and thank you that you guard it and watch over it and the gospel will endure. And we want to take really seriously the charge that we also must guard it. But we pray that you'd give us such a love of it and such confidence of the gospel that that would not be onerous, but actually be our delight to guard the old, old gospel. Make us faithful. And Lord, in your grace, work through our churches for the advance of the gospel in this land. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Well, we're going to finish this uh, devotional time by singing of the gospel. And I'd love you to join in singing a great old hymn, Over a Thousand Tongues, to sing my great Redeemer's praise. And I'll leave it to the musos to leave you in, lead you in uh, singing this hymn.